This is Rising Up with Sonali and I'm your host Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. Several weeks into a new chapter of violence in Colombia, mass protests are continuing as police have killed dozens of protesters. State violence in Colombia has reached a new high with law enforcement firing shots into groups of unarmed protesters. The unrest has been sparked by underlying poverty and mass unemployment, exacerbated by the coronavirus pandemic and a now-retracted tax law by the government of Ivan Duque. Truckers have blocked freeways across Colombia in protest, and President Duque has called for these blockades to be forcibly removed. Regional analysts fear the violence and unrest could spread across Latin America. We go now to Bogota to speak with Emilia Marquez, Sex and Gender Director of the non-governmental organization Temblores, based in Colombia, which gathers data on police brutality. Welcome to the program, Emilia. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Sonali. So can you explain briefly why there is so much violence right now? Specifically, what are the uh, what has sparked the street protests? What we are seeing here in the United States was that it started with this tax law that was proposed by the president, which has now been revoked. Is that essentially what triggered the latest bout? Uh, yes. So the, the first um, protest uh, that that occurred on the 28th of April was supposed to be protesting this tax law, but also uh, a lot of the Colombian population has been very unhappy with this government, with the Duque government uh, since its beginning, because it's, it has been a government that has not uh, held up to the peace agreements made with FARC uh, on the Santos government. It has also been one of the governments with the a highest amount of uh, assassinations of social leaders and human rights uh, defenders. Uh, and people are very unhappy with the way, or, or the people who are protesting are very unhappy with uh, the way that this government has been handling some issues. So yes, the, the reform was one of the issues being protested uh, by this national strike. But I think there's a lot more to read uh, into it than just uh, this, is it, this reform. Is it largely being fueled by younger people in Colombia? And, and, and what role does poverty or unemployment play? Uh, yes, uh, certainly a huge role. Uh, Colombia has also had a very big uh, drop in its employment uh, levels. During the pandemic, there has been a lot of hunger during the pandemic. We even have uh, some reports in Templores that show that uh, homelessness has gone up a lot in, in this past year. And uh, young people have uh, not not the only protesters, but yes, a big, a large uh, part of them. And also uh, one of the largest uh, age groups that is being uh, attacked by police brutality. Right. We're, we're seeing people in their late teens, early 20s being killed, uh, police firing into groups of unarmed protesters. Uh, so would you say that the government of Ivan Duque or is it maybe the local uh, regional uh, governments or authorities? that are just unleashing law enforcement, you know, uh, allowing them to operate with impunity? Well, we have uh, had some of the uh, official uh, statements by President Duque 
uh, not only uh, treating or, or having a discourse of war around the protests and a war treatment around these protests and a discourse of uh, protesters being terrorists, protesters being uh, vandals, protesters being criminalized by, uh, by uh, president's discourses. But recently we have also had a very clear order uh, issued by the president on his last uh, communication. Uh, telling the police force to uh, deploy uh, its, its larger capacity. So um, this has been uh, one of the, of the things that we think has uh, a direct impact on this police violence, uh, which is um, made worse by uh, the big impunity that lies around uh, police brutality in Colombia and during this uh, during this period of national strikes. Right. So Colombia's history is important to this whole aspect. You mentioned the peace deal with the FARC, you know, a decade or two ago. Mm. The source of violence was mostly in the Colombian countryside with uh, uh, battles with the FARC guerrillas. Uh, in, in more recent years, Colombia had become a sort of model of how to emerge from a violent chapter by reconciling with rebels. But it seems as though with what's happening now in the past few weeks, that has all fallen apart apart, Ivan Duque's government could have done better, you think? And, and, and if so, what, what, would, what do Colombians wish he would have done, not just with FARC, but with his approach to the economy? He is a fiscal conservative. He is a conservative in general, right? Yes, uh, he is a conservative and his uh, party is actually a, a far right um we have i think it's not just this protest that that uh, have shown us the the peace treaty uh, falling apart but the whole duque government so these protests are just a reflection of what has been happening uh, in the last three years uh, with the duque government uh, where we have had a very big uh, shift in an approach uh, to to social problems that was beginning to be more social in the Santos government with the peace treaty and is now being again a, a, a very uh, war-centered approach with the Duque government, which of course comes uh, from a long line of Uribe uh, governments. Uh, so um, Alvaro Uribe, who yes. was a very strong ally of the United States and Ivan Duque during the Trump administration, met with uh, Secretary of State Pompeo, with President Trump himself. So the conservative leaders of Colombia have basically often been allied with the conservative leaders here in the United States. Yes, of course. And this allyship uh, with conservative leaders in the U.S. is also reflected in, for example, uh, the the amount of uh, money that the United that some United States governments have put into the war on drugs, uh, the so-called war on drugs, and also uh, on uh, fueling uh, the Colombian uh, state forces uh, with more uh, with more resources uh, for, for example, uh, arms. Uh, in this case, uh, police uh, forces arms. 
the U.S.'s uh, funding of the war on drugs in Colombia, the training of Colombian state forces. This is, of course, a context that we don't get in our U.S. media here, but this is a very much a backdrop of what's happening, of what's happened in Colombia historically. So today, what are demands of the protesters? I understand that among, you know, uh, that, that uh, although the tax uh, plan, which was essentially to put a sales tax in order to fund programs that was you know rejected soundly by the people of Colombia uh, um, president duque has withdrawn that tax plan but that has not been enough what are what is it that protesters are asking for him to do further yes so protesters i think this is this could also be read as a continuation of the uh, 2019 national strike which we already had uh, in, in that time uh, some of the same um, claims being made by by citizens. Uh, I think in general, people are uh, looking for less conservative approaches, not only to economy, but also to uh, security and also to, uh, and, and this uh, of course implies having a more social uh, approach on security rather than a more military approach on security. And I think this is a very big change. Uh, like that that people are um, looking for not only in the economic approaches uh, to the country but also on the social ap approaches uh, right now i think um protests protesters are also enraged and they are showing rage uh, um, towards uh, many of the ways that the government has been uh, treating uh, the protest in itself uh, and I think which, uh, with every uh, communication made by Duque, the protesters are further enraged. And uh, it is important to note that rage is a completely valid feeling in the, in the public space. And rage doesn't uh, necessarily fuel violence, but I think rage is a huge uh, part of the way that people are expressing themselves in the streets right now. What are what are the instances of sexual violence that you've seen that your organization has kept track of aimed at protesters from state forces, from police and other forces? Yes, so I will uh, tell you some of the data that we have. Temblores is uh, constantly recording and constantly uh, denouncing uh, the, the reports that we receive of police, of police violence all over the country uh, from the from April 28th until May 18th. We had 2,387 uh, police violence cases in total, and of these cases, uh, 18 of them are sexual violence uh, cases and five of them are uh, gender-based violence. Of course, these, uh, these numbers are very uh, sub-registered, they are very under-registered uh, because uh, sexual violence is of course one of the most under-registered types of violence globally. Uh, we know that uh, sexual violence victims don't trust uh, in the institutions uh, to make their denounces. They also feel ashamed uh, many, many of the times. They also don't have the tools to, to make uh, their denounces, denounces uh, most of the time. So we have uh, 18 cases, but we know uh, this is uh, an under-registry of what is happening. I understand that there's also violence aimed at indigenous uh, protesters and indigenous communities in Colombia. Can you tell me a little bit about that? 
Yes, uh, in the past uh, weeks we have seen many um, claims being made uh, or, or many uh, communications coming from, from important indigenous uh, groups in Colombia. Uh, for example, uh, the Minga, which is a, a mobilizations that indigenous uh, groups make uh, to the cities in order to uh, talk about their political uh, needs and, and uh, to sort of have a political uh, meeting with, with leaders uh, in, in what we would be able to call white or mestizo Colombia. Uh, so the Minga has been attacked recently. Uh, it received a very serious attack uh, on, the, on the last week um, when it was in Cali. And uh, what is very, very preoccupying about this attack is not only the attack in itself, which uh, led to a, a uh, number of hurt, uh, gravely, gravely hurt people, uh, but also the fact that the government did not uh, make any uh, communication in this kind of violence. On the contrary, we saw a, a tweet uh, coming from the Vice President Marta Lucia Ramirez uh, on the next day of the attack saying that she had some information that the Minga was uh, being funded by a very, very large uh, sums of money uh, and she did not know where this money came from. So this is a very, very um, serious claim to make, especially when you are the, the vice president and have access to uh, even confidential information. Uh, and only, uh, not only because it may not be true, but also because it uh, proposes that this indigenous group that has a complete state legitimacy is uh, in some way illegitimate. Mm -hmm. uh, so we not only see violence coming from uh, civilian groups uh, and from police officers towards the indigenous groups that are manifesting themselves, but also we see a complete uh, lack of respect of these groups coming from the government. What can the Biden administration here in the United States do about the violence in Colombia? Is there leverage that you think the U.S. government can apply constructively considering the emergency situation in Colombia? Yes, I think uh, the international pressure uh, that is being uh, held up on that is being uh, held on top of the of the Colombian government right now has been very important for the government who to consider even talking about police violence uh, before uh, countries foreign countries and uh, organizations and institutions started talking about the problem in Colombia the government hadn't even uh, recognized that there was police violence happening in the midst of the protests uh, and I also think the Biden government specifically and the United States specifically has been such a big funder for the Colombian army and for, for Colombian uh, police forces and other uh, uh, projects and other uh, uh, things in, in Colombia that it is very important for this government to speak up and to ask 
the Colombian government to uphold a higher standard of human rights in the protests. Can the Biden administration also send vaccines to Colombia? Because I know that one of the um, issues that protesters have taken is that the Colombian government has just not done enough to acquire vaccines during the pandemic. And here we are in the United States with, a, you know, essentially a surplus of vaccines now, more vaccines than people want to get them. Yes, of course. Uh, vaccination in Colombia has been very, very slow. Uh, we also have a very big problem uh, with in the hospital itself, you know, so the hospitals have been very full of, uh, of people and they are maxed out to, to their capacity. ICU capacity has been a very big problem in Colombia uh, since the beginning of the pandemic and we do not see uh, ICU capacity going up. Um, instead, in the last weeks, we even saw ICU uh, getting filled up to 90% of its capacity with COVID patients. So, uh, of course, vaccination has been a problem. And I think in this specific point, this is not only a problem of uh, how the Duque government is managing vaccination, but it is also a bigger problem that reminds us that Colombia is part of the global south and is part of a global south that is not a, that is a part of a bigger uh, global injustice, right? So we have seen how the global north has been getting all of their vaccines as, and has been uh, getting all of the limited supply of vaccines and having a much faster pace in vaccines while, while the global south is left uh, with scraps basically and uh, people are still dying in the global south. Well, in the United States, for example, right now, I could go into a pharmacy and take my pick like to, to put on. Oh, yeah, I will give you the example. I took my 13-year-old son last weekend to a pharmacy where we had an appointment to get his vaccine, and they just announced over the loudspeaker that vaccines were available on a walk-in basis. Anybody who wanted them could just go and get one at that moment, you know, quite different from even a month or two ago here in the United States. So certainly that is the case here at a time when so many other countries, including Colombia, are struggling to get enough vaccines for their people. Where can people find out more, Emilia, about the work that you do at Temblores? Your organization gathers data. You know, Give me a sense of what it does and how people can support your work and find out more. So Temblores is a human rights NGO. Uh, we are uh, currently working so towards social justice of some marginalized groups in Colombia. Uh, actually also trying to follow the, the peace agreement uh, and trying to make a juster society where peace can be held uh, in the long run. Uh, we have a police violence observatory which investigates on police uh, brutality and uh, litigates uh, on police brutality both at an individual and a collective level. Uh, not only striving to protect uh, individuals victim, individual victims of police violence legally and psychologically, psychologically, but also uh, striving to um, get to the point where we can have a police reform uh, in our country uh, that also rethinks the state, uh, the state as a place of care and not only as a place of um, security measured uh, in war units. So uh, you can find more about uh, the rest of our work and of course about our police uh, brutality work in at Temblores ONG uh, or uh, in Spanish Temblores ONG 
in all of our uh, social media. You can also visit uh, our webpage at www.templores.org. And there you can have all of the information about all of our work and also information on how to support us uh, financially. We'll post a link to temblores.org from our website as well. Emilia, thank you so much for joining us. Good luck to you. Thank you. Thank you for, so much for having me. My guest has been Emilia Marquez, the Sex and Gender Director of the nonprofit organization Temblores, based in Colombia, which gathers, among other things, data on police brutality. She's speaking to me from Bogota. I'm Sonali Kolhatkar. We're online at risingupwithsonali.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter. Also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Are You With Sonali.